remember where you were? I think we all do. I think we all do. Yeah. Um, we don't ever want to forget what took place in those brave policemen and firefighters and people who just gave of themselves um, to save others and those innocent victims as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your grace and for your mercy um, that we could be here today, that your grace has poured out in our lives, oh God. We have um, um, we have much to be thankful for. Just talking to a brother recently, I said, how you doing? He said, I can't complain. And I think he really meant it. I think he did. Because um, we tend to do that. We tend to complain about things. But Lord, we really... We have prayer requests, but I'm not sure if we have complaints. Maybe we do. I don't know. But, God, uh, we just want to thank you for, for life and thank you for your mercy and for your grace and that you would be uh, exalted through your word. And I thank you in advance. Lord, be with those who are in need tonight, whether they be here or whether they um, uh, part of our body or in this valley. Be with those who are in need. Lord, we pray shelter for those who are out in the storms and out in the rain. Shelter for your people, God. And Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. I'm going to switch uh, mic stands because that is not going to work. I can tell you that right now. We'll try this one. So, um, I'll give it a shot. <clears throat> I'm sure that you have heard that there was a um, Coach Tarkanian was inducted into Basketball Hall of Fame Sunday. And um, it's about time. I mean, it's one of those things that if you want to get that award, you'd like to get it before you pass away, right? I think you'd like, like to get that before. Not, not that posthumously stuff, right? There's a story that, that, that is speaking of just events. It has nothing to do with our message, but I just thought I would share it with you because you just never know how God moves or what God's up to. He, um, the uh, presentation for the award was Sunday, I believe. And Saturday, um, the day before, uh, of course, all of his grandchildren are there and all of his family and, and, and lots of people for the different inductees and and one of his one of his uh, granddaughters is uh, six foot five and uh, Jody her mom who kind of went to school with us uh, coach's daughter um, uh, is is a friend and um, but her daughter you know played um, I think at Northwestern University and she's played uh, like in Israel and you know in international leagues women's leagues and things like that and right now um, uh, she's playing in Hungary and but for this particular event, uh, even though the season is just beginning over there, uh, she asked if she could come. And they were actually, uh, her team in Hungary was on their way uh, to the, to, uh, through the Alps or just into Switzerland to play a team there. And uh, how many think that'd be fun to, to live in Hungary and play in Switzerland? I think that'd be a blast. I don't know. I, I just think that would be like really cool. Anyway, um, but she's, uh, here for the for the celebration 
And on Saturday, uh, she gets a phone call from her college coach. And he says to her, I forget her name. I've met her before, but I can't remember her name. Um, uh, he, it's, her, it's her college basketball coach. And he says to her, where are you? How, what's going on? How you doing? First, he was elated that she answered the phone. And he goes, where are you? And she goes, well, of course, I'm here. Um, where was it? No, in, in where the, 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 the dedicated, I won't say Missouri, but I don't think that's it. I think it's like uh, up uh, New York area. Anyway, I forget exactly where it is. Because I'm really tuned into this thing, as you can tell. But, but, you know, he says, where are you? She goes, well, I'm here for my, my grandfather's induction into the Hall of Fame. And, and, and he's like, have you heard what happened? No. I mean, this is all party and celebration and good time. Apparently, her team that she is the starting center for in Hungary was driving toward the Alps or through the Alps, whatever it was, to play. And a driver on the other side of the car, other side of the road, swerved and hit the bus. And the bus wrecked. And, and the, the head coach died. The general manager died. The very person who told her you know, because she asked permission to leave to be in the States for this, who told her that she could go. He died. Um, one, one of the girls on the team had a leg amputated. Another American girl fractured two vertebrae in her neck. And, and, and she was not there. She was not there. Okay. Now, I don't know what you make of all that, but... I, I cannot imagine, um, you talk about a damper, <laughs> I mean, on our, I think the greatest, coach would probably say that winning the national championship was like the highlight of his career, right? But getting inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame is a major highlight. But to get the news that your granddaughter got it, you know, that just would have been really, really bad. Isn't that amazing how that happens? I mean, how does that, like, you think about 9-11, and you think about, because you've heard stories of people who got delayed, got sick, who had a flat. You hear all these stories, and you think, man, what is up with that? And you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But, uh, but somehow, that's, that's what happens in those kinds of circumstances, right? I don't know. Anyway, um, something to, um, you know, to think about when we think about where God has us in situations and sometimes even delays, right? Sometimes even delays. And, 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 and she, I understand she got on a plane. That she, she, she got driven to Boston Airport and got on the next plane back to, to Budapest because she wanted to be there with her team. And she actually missed her grandfather's induction into the Hall of Fame. But they probably all told her to go because that's what she wanted to do. Because, I mean, how, how, I mean, on the one hand, you want to be there. But on the other hand, it's like, man, if I was, I, don't, I might not be able. I mean, that's crazy. Wow. Man, that's, yeah, so, whew, you know, uh, praise the Lord. Thank, thank the Lord for today while, while it's still today, while we have it, right? Because you never know what could happen. Uh, Genesis chapter 21. Uh, 1987, uh, I'm switching gears now, uh, 
Talladega Motor Speedway, Bill Elliott recorded the fastest speed in qualifying in NASCAR history at 212 miles an hour. And the car ran so fast that it literally began to, to, to lift off the track, and it became a major safety issue. Uh, and it, they were traveling at speeds that were so fast that they couldn't really handle the cars anymore. And so NASCAR implemented what they call a restrictor plate. And if you're a NASCAR fan, you might know what this is. But it limits the output uh, of an engine, and, and it slows the acceleration, therefore slowing, slowing down the overall speed, right? And so in 2004, Rusty Wallace tested a car at Talladega Super Speedway without a restrictor plate and reached a speed of 228 miles an hour in the back stretch. And one lap, he averaged 221 miles an hour, okay? And he would describe that experience as absolutely out of control. He said that there was no way that they could race at those speeds. And the restrictor plates that have been in use since then have slowed cars' uh, capability so they don't go as fast to a measly 187 average miles an hour. Much, much slower, right? But that's still pretty fast. Um, Rusty Wallace had said that things were out of control. Um, and things had no longer become fun. It had become straight dangerous. And, and you know, we kind of live in that kind of society, don't we, where faster is better. Boy, you get, a, you get a phone that is slow or a laptop that doesn't respond quickly or your Internet access isn't fast enough. And, and we know there's always four and five generations of speed that, that people aren't telling us about that they have in their laboratories. I understand that iPhone unveiled a new, their latest phone uh, just yesterday. And boy, you know what? One of the first things they're going to talk about is the processor speed because we need speed. We want things, you know, we want them quickly. And, and we're, we're kind of obsessed with speed. Um, and someone has said that the fast craze is getting us nowhere fast. Carl Hunro's book, In Praise of Slowness, says, the time has come to challenge our obsession with doing everything more quickly. Speed is not always the best policy. And you know what? The Bible says this. Peter says that in the last days, people are going to doubt that Jesus Christ is going to return or anything's going to happen because God is slow in fulfilling his promises. I got that illustration from Ricky Hurst in a message he did entitled, Stop and Smell the Roses. So someone says this, patience is a virtue, possess it if you can, found seldom uh, in a woman, but never in a man. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but I know it, it is that. All right. Um, we're in Genesis chapter 21, uh, the birth of Isaac. Yay! He's here, the promised child. Isaac is here. No longer is he promised. He's here. Uh, it says in verse, we'll do verse 1 through 3, Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abram in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken. And Abram called the name of his son who was to be born, whom Sarah bore him. What did he call him? Isaac. You know what? God always keeps his word. Always. Always. Anybody want to give a testimony about how God kept his word in your life? Anyone? Anyone at all? Testimony? I know, you, I know you have them. You're all looking down and looking around. and Just one. 
either side, doesn't matter, male or female, Jew or Gentile, bond or free. Anyone? One promise. Anyone? I knew it. <laughs> okay, there is many, but this is just the first one that come to my mind. Because I don't know if any of you guys know a lady uh, named Michaela Lee, but we grew up as little baby Christians kind of around the same time, and she was much more spiritual than me. She didn't have to go through as many uh, tests. I, I shouldn't say tests. She didn't have to take as many tests and fail and take again as I did. That's what I should say. But anyway, uh, long story short, um, she used to pray all the time. I, I never knew a woman that prayed so much. And I was like, man, I want to pray like that. I want to be like that. But she would just pray, 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 right? And um, there was this particular time that um, things just didn't seem so great, you know, without going all the way into it. But Michaela had told me something. And God had told Michaela that one day she would want to minister uh, with someone just like me. And see, that word sustained me. And God has put us on, on a platform together where we minister side by side. And that's just the first one that come to mind. But that word sustained me because, see, it didn't matter what I was doing. What mattered was what God said. And I knew I could hold on to what God had told Michaela because she had been in the prayer closet, right? So it was true, and it was God was faithful. And, you know, it did come around circle like that, and, and we did end up ministering together. So there was a lot I could have picked, but that's just the first one that popped in mind. Amen. Amen. Um, God keeps his word all the time. All the time. Scripture says he's not a man that he should lie. Psalm 138 says, For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. He's magnified his word above his great name. And his name is holy. His name is mighty. So after 25 years of waiting, you've been waiting on something from the Lord? A promise? 25 years. Hey, is that a long time to wait for something? 25 years waiting for this child to be born. That's a long time. I mean, like, and we, we read it and we go, and Abraham, it was 25 years. And we go, okay. But, I mean, day in, day out, you know, father of a nation, you got nothing. You got one son from your, from your Egyptian maid. That's it. You got no nation. You know, Sarah's not getting any younger. You're not getting any younger. You know, nothing, right? Um, uh, the promise has happened. Sarah's now 90. Abraham's 100 years old. The promise happens not because Abraham was so righteous on his own, but because God's word, God is faithful to his word. Philippians 1.6 one six says, he who began a good thing in you will be faithful to complete it until the day when Christ Jesus returns. Some promises of God are conditional. That is, they depend on something we do. Sometimes there's a word or promise or something God has for us that's dependent upon something that we have to do. Okay? Because there's God's part. And there's our part. And God typically won't do our part. <laughs> he, can, he reserves the right to, but he typically won't. Just like if you have children and you want to teach your kids a lesson, you know that they have to do their part. You know, if, if you want to teach them something about cleaning or some principle, you know 
they have to, you can't just keep doing it for them. They have to do their part. Well, it's, I think it's kind of the same with us. Other promises of God are unconditional, and God will fulfill them not because of what we do, but because of who he is. God made a promise to Abraham. It was an unconditional promise. We've already looked at some of the failures of Abraham. He was not perfect. He was a man, but he was a spiritual man, and he was a man called of God, and he was a man of covenant, but he was not perfect. But God made promises to him, and God is fulfilling that promise. Um, please note that it says, And the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, the Lord did as he had promised at the appointed time. Abraham was a man of faith indeed, but faith must learn it's not the source of blessing, but the channel of blessing. Because during the years of his youth, during the child-producing years, if you will, he wasn't able to produce Isaac. Isaac isn't a product. Isaac is a product, rather, of faith and grace and can only be birthed by God. There are the promises of God can only be accomplished by God, and we have a part that we play in it. Also noted that the Lord is never ahead of his time. The Lord is never ahead of his time. And he doesn't speed up just because of us either. There's a timing involved. And I got a call recently from a young man who's a part of a ministry in town called Young Life. I love Young Life. Young Life is a ministry where you have a missionary to a high school. That's it. That's all they do. I mean, you got, what, 22, 23, 3,000 students in a high school? You got one dude or one gal or a couple, and all they do is go to a high school and minister. That's all. They don't go anyplace else. They go to one high school, and they're missionaries. And they, and they work it, and they work it, and they volunteer for stuff, and they work it, and they work it, and they work it, and lo the Lord opens up doors. There's favor. You know what? They, they may bring the, they, they, they probably aren't going to bring the kids that they reach to a church youth group because they bring church to the school. Okay? I'm totally cool with that. I love Young Life. You know, my only beef with Young Life is that when I was in high school, there was a Young Life, and nobody bothered to tell me what it was. And I've shared this story with you, that, that, and I, I'm not saying I have a beef with Young Life. I love Young Life. But I have a beef with, with the leader of that Young Life group at my high school where 60 or 70 people every week were meeting. And I assume they were talking about Jesus. I don't really know. And I, I, it's interesting when you become a Christian, the things that you remember in your past. And you, conversations that there's no real reason you should remember them, that you immediately remember them. So I get born again, and all of a sudden I remember a conversation I had with someone who went to camp with Young Life, one of my friends. And I said, man, and everybody came back from, from Young Life camp, which I didn't even know what that was, and they were all talking about it. And I said, man, what in the world? Did, what, what's everybody talking about? Oh, man, we went to this camp. It was awesome, and this happened, and so-and-so, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I said, how was I not invited to this? And I go, well, what is Young Life? What is this thing? And I'll, I'll never forget, he said, well, you know, we just kind of get together every week and uh, we just kind of hang out. I said, you get together and hang out. I said, well, what do you do when you hang out? I asked him this question. And he goes, you know what, we just kind of sing songs. I said, you get together and you sing songs? Are you kidding me? Really? All right, whatever. And I remember thinking, that is the strangest thing I've ever heard. You know what? Not once did he mention Jesus. 
Because I might have went, oh, I don't know what I would have said. Not once did the leader at that, who, who had already gotten his grips into Alvin Davis, and you don't mean if you're a baseball, old baseball fan, Alvin Davis played about 10 years in the major leagues. See, before there was junior up in Seattle, there was A.D., Alvin Davis. And he was, his rookie year, he was in the All-Star game. That's big time, okay? Now, he had already gotten his claws into him, and then there's over on the basketball court someone who's a, a, a young man of influence on campus because of basketball, really. And, and, you know, this bypass right over me. And all he would have had to say was, is there anyone in all of this 60, 70 people who knows that guy Richard Box? Anyone at all? And if one of them would have said, you know what, tacos at TK's Friday, you think he'll come? You better believe I would have come. Someone's buying me lunch, I'm all over that. Right? But that never happened. Never happened. Huh? Bigger picture. Bigger picture. And you know what? The Lord is never ahead of his time. <laughs> it wasn't time. It wasn't time. I don't know if I would have received it or not. I don't know if, 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 that, if I would have changed my life or not. I don't know how that would have impacted me. But there's a timing involved. See, the Lord knows the number of our days. And he knows the number of, he knows the number of that day. That day when you'll finally get it. That day when you'll be in a place where you understand, where, where he knows the time when he can click, click the switch on and you get it. But you know what? Back then, I might not have got it. I might not have. I don't know, but I'm not really mad at Young Life because I think they do a wonderful ministry. But I just wish that, but then again, the Lord's never ahead of his time. And you know what? He never lags behind either. The Lord never lags behind. He's never going to show up late. <laughs> he's not going to show up early, and he's not going to show up late. He's going to show up according to his timetable. And so I wrote this down. Don't mistake divine delays for God's denials. Don't mistake divine delays for God's denials. I ripped that off from uh, Chuck Swindoll. I heard him say that 15 years ago, and I wrote it in my Bible. He was talking about Mary. Don't mistake divine delays for God's denials. Okay. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him. Notice how it says that. The name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, just so we make this really clear, Isaac. The name that was given really because of his parents' unbelief and laughter at the fact that they were going to have a child. And so the Lord took that name that was sort of a bit of a rebuke. Oh, you think it's funny? Good. Call him Isaac, right? Remember that? Sarah said, I didn't laugh. She, and the Lord said, yes, you did. She goes, no, no, I didn't. He's like, all right, I'm not going to argue with you. You did. Isaac is his name. But the Lord takes, takes uh, 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 turned that name and that situation into occasion for great joy. And Isaac becomes, as we'll see, a, a, a wonderful preview or type and shadow of Christ. Uh, the, the whole story becomes a wonderful preview. Uh, both were promised sons. Um, both births were delayed uh, after the promise was made. I mean, Jesus' promise was really delayed until it finally came. Uh, 25 years in waiting here. That's a long time to wait. Both mothers were assured of the power of God. Listen, both births happened at God's appointed time. 
Galatians 4.4 4 says, In the fullness of time, God sent his son. Okay, both, both births were miracles. Uh, Mary was a virgin. Sarah was unable to have children. And both births were followed by with joy. And there'll be other types and shadows of Christ as we see, uh, as we kind of move on. Okay? Um, now, so let's, uh, th this is, I mean, I, I feel great, right? I feel good. Like, it's been, how long we've been looking at the life of, 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 Isaac, uh, of Abraham and the promise we've seen. We've seen them try to do it on their own. Uh, uh, you you got to figure that there were times when they figured, you know, this is never going to happen. You know, what, what, why are we hanging on to this? It's just, and, and, and here it is. And then remember, there was that, that watershed moment where, where the heavenly visitor comes and says, this time next year you'll be with a son. And she laughed, right? Yeah, right. But, but now, now, now it's, it's, it's narrowing down, and now here it is. Here is the boy. Now what? Now what? This is the promised child. What? We've been waiting on this for 25 years. Verse 4 says, And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him to. Now Abraham was a Abraham was hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made uh, uh, laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. Yeah, that, 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 that slight rebuke earlier now becomes a, a, an occasion for joy. And, he, and she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a child. Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on that day. And Isaac was weaned. Man, it's party time. You know that Abraham is a sheik. He's a, he's a, he's a, if, if he's living today, he owns a major property in Dubai. Okay, he's a wealthy man, this guy is. Wealthy man. And, and so he throws a party. Uh, the promised child has come. Uh, 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 yeah. Now, now, verse 9 through 11. Um, let me just say that unresolved issues lead to continued conflict. Let me say it again. Unresolved issues lead to continued conflict. That's why the Lord says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. You know, because that's an unresolved issue that will lead to continued conflict. Uh, I, I may have shared, I forget who or where I, I shared things out, but, but, but it just seems more and more that, that I'm running across marriages that don't resolve issues. And therefore, there's continued conflict. Uh, I, I said to a friend of mine, uh, a good friend of mine, I said, man, what role do you want me to play in your marriage? Because his wife calls me and she'll say, oh, you know, he did this, he did that, and you'll never believe it. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, wow. And she goes, what should I do? I said, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. I mean, that's, that's pretty much my counsel for these two. Do whatever Jesus tells you. What's Jesus telling you? I don't know. Well, fi find that out and give me a call back, all right, an hour later, you know. Uh, uh, and, and then and then I'll talk to him, and it's like and it's like, well, you know, see this, and she's got mental issues, and I, you don't understand, and da da da, man, I can't take this anymore, and on and I'm like, whoa, man, what should I do? Do whatever Jesus tells you to do, you know. But but then I came to this revelation, and the revelation is that there's no place of resolution with them. 
There's no place of re resolution. Therefore, you know what? No one can help them if there isn't a place where they can come together and a, and, and a safe place where, where he can say what he needs to say and she can say what she needs to say and there can be at least a willingness to hear the other and not defend one another, but a willingness to, be, to admit you might be wrong in something or you might need to see something differently. But there is never going to be any resolution if they don't have a place where they can come together and be because what happens is things just get swept under the rug and it just gets swept under the rug and swept under and there's this major blow up and it's like what now and, and it's like you know what and and i said man uh, dude what and, and he's my buddy he's my guy i mean like i'm we're we're two peas in the pot and i'm like dude i i like don't want to do this anymore okay i don't want to i don't want to I don't, I don't want to waste my time with this because there's no resolution. I mean, I mean you might ask me, what do you think? What should you say? Uh, what should I say? How should I? You might ask me that, but brother, the, the real thing is if there's no safe place to resolve it, it's, just, it's not going to matter what I say or what anyone else says, right? And, and I, I run into that, and I'm like, Wow. There has to be a place of resolution in marriage or else it's just going to blow up again. And I just use that as an illustration. But it, it, it could be other things as well. Now, <laughs> the conflict between, uh, there's, a, there's a conflict that arises that is in, that, that's inevitable. And I don't know if Abraham sees it or if Sarah sees it. We saw a glimpse of it earlier where Hagar gets booted out of the house. Remember? Hagar gets kicked out. She's with child. The Lord visits her and says, you need to go back and surrender to Sarai. She's not Sarah yet at that point. And she does that. But, but this is an unresolved issue. You know when you're hiking up that mountain and you got a rock in your shoe and you go, man, I, I'm, I'm busy hiking, man, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And then you make your way down. All of a sudden you're like, man, that really hurts. And you, but you, you grind through it and you take your shoe off at the bottom of that and you got a, a big old blister because you didn't deal with it. Okay? That's what this is. That's like when you know you have an issue with your car and your mechanic says, we need to fix this. And you say, I'll fix it later, dude. He's like, all right. <laughs> Come on back when you need me and I'll have a tow truck. <laughs> and you go, yeah, whatever. I'm going to get a second opinion. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right? You got to deal with these things. And it ain't easy. But there's an there's a, there's a issue that's brewing. And listen, sin always causes a chain reaction, Right? It always causes a chain reaction. Look at verse 9 through 11, all right? So party time, right? The boy is here. Abraham is like, my boy, my boy. What about Ishmael? Yeah, Ishmael's my boy. But this is my boy, right? Right here. We don't know if there's favoritism or not, but this is the promised child. <laughs> verse 9, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian woman she, uh, whom she uh, had born to Abraham, mocking Therefore she said to Abraham, Drive out this maid and her son, uh, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. Verse 11 says, And the matter distressed Abraham because of his son. Okay. Turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 gives us a backdrop to this in a spiritual sense. It helps to explain it spiritually. This is actually, these two sons are actually a, a, 
a, a spiritual illustration uh, of two different belief systems, two different reliances on God, okay? Uh, Galatians describes uh, 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 the conflict between these two in these terms. Uh, one son is the son of promise. The other is the son of the flesh. Remember, Sarah got impatient and said, just go ahead and lie with Hagar, and then we'll consider that child the promised child. And then Abraham's like, all right. But God was like, no. Okay, so Galatians 4, it gives the illustration that one son is a son of the spirit. The other is a son of the law. One is born of grace. The other is born of the flesh. One is born by God. The other is born out of human effort and, and trying to bring about the works of God. And so in the context, the Jewish legalists uh, were, were demanding that the law of God be followed in all circumstances. Hey, listen, you want to be a Christian? You, you want to follow Jesus? Go ahead, but you must be circumcised. You must practice the Sabbath. You must follow the law. We're not going to throw out Moses because that's all we know, and that's how we connect to God. Now, if you want to follow Christ, go ahead, but you cannot throw out the law. And so everywhere that Paul went, there were groups of people that would follow him. They call them the Judaizers or the concision. And everywhere he went, and he would preach grace, 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 and they would come as soon as he left, and sometimes while he was still there, they'd come right behind him and say, the law, the law, the law. And so when you get to Galatians, and if you ever read through the book of Galatians, Paul is fired up. I mean, he's like, he's like, I could picture him pacing back and forth and saying, if anyone preaches a gospel other than the one that we, we presented to you, let them be anathema, condemned, eternally condemned in hellfire, he said. He's fired up because they're bringing in the law where he has brought grace, and they're mixing everything up, and the people are confused, okay? And so, uh, here, these men, the concision of the Judaizers, claimed that they too were the children of Abraham. And so, like, they're like, Abraham, we get it. I mean, I mean, Paul, we get it. We're the children of Abraham too. And Paul says, sure, you're the children of Abraham, but who's your mama? <laughs> Spiritually speaking, of course. You know, who's your mama? Yeah, you're the son, you're descendants, but, right? Uh, are, are, is your mama Hagar or is it Sarah? And he's, 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 he's speaking of an illustration here. See, one was born of the works of the flesh, one child. The other child was born according to the promise. So that's the backdrop. Now, Galatians 4. This is the New Living Translation. It's a little bit easier to read. So he says, tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? And then he reverts back to this story. And he says, the scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from the slave wife, one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the free wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. Okay, speaking of the Old Testament covenant and the New Testament. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. 
Okay? These are people who believe that by following the law, which is impossible to do completely, that they'll be right with God. Now, there was the Old Testament system where they, fought, they, they, they offered sacrifices, they, they, they followed the Ten Commandments as best they could, but they had to continually, it, it brought a continual realization that they were not good enough. And so the purpose of the law was to lead them to grace. The purpose of the Old Testament was that people would see the fulfillment in the New Testament, but they're stuck in the Old. And they're telling everybody else, you need to be too. And so he's comparing Hagar with Sarah. Okay, so that's Hagar represents the law. She represents the flesh, represents uh, 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 the legalism. Uh, but he says, uh, verse 26, but the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman, and she is our mother. As Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into, shout, into joyful shout, you who have been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. Verse 28, and you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law, just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. Now, what's he saying? He's saying, listen, you are, of the, you are born of the Spirit, not of the law, not of the flesh or human works. Now, you are born of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. That's you. You're not of the law. Hagar and, and Ishmael was an attempt to bring about God's promises by human effort. That represents the law. That represents the flesh. And he goes, you're not born of that. But here's the thing. Don't be surprised when religious folk persecute those who live in the faith and who live by promises, of the promises of God. Don't be surprised when religious folk persecute those who want to walk in faith and by the promises of God. Or the... Uh, legalists of our day mock those in the spirit. Well, back to Genesis. It says in verse 9, Now Sarah saw the, the son Hagar, the, uh, saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian woman she had born to Abraham, mocking Therefore she said to Abraham, Drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. There's no plan B here. Just in case Abraham was thinking we need to keep Ishmael around, just in case, just in case, just in case, the Lord says, you know what? Sarah says, drive him out. That's what Sarah says. Drive her out with her son too. God's solution was to get rid of, of the son of the flesh. Why? Because the flesh can't tolerate grace, and there's no peaceful coexistence between the flesh and grace. Not only does this illustrate the tension between the law and grace, it also illustrates the tension between our trusting in the flesh and our trusting in the spirit. There's no common ground. We cannot accomplish the things of God in the flesh or in our own power, strength, and wisdom. I've seen this in single folks who, who want to be married. And I've heard them say things like, well, we love each other. 
Yeah, well, you just went through six weeks of counseling. According to our indicators, this is a train wreck. <laughs> Seriously. Well, you know, I'm not getting any younger. Well, I believe God will bless my marriage with this person. I, I believe God will just bless it. Well, I know that he's not very spiritual, but I believe I can change that. You know, I'm just tired of being single. I'm just tired of being single. I am. And I've seen people rush into marriage or even marry the wrong person. And I, I'm not the judge. I don't know. I mean, I got the right person. I don't know about anybody else. I'm focusing on me. But, but, but I've seen people where I've just thought, I don't know, man. I don't know. That, that one's a crapshoot, man. It is. It is. I don't know. I don't know. And it's like, you're not listening. Okay. No, wait. No, don't rush into this. No, no, no. I know it's the Lord. How do you know that? Well, I believe it. Just because you believe it doesn't mean it's the Lord. Don't get married by faith. Don't do that. <laughs> don't get married by faith. Yeah? But they want to they want to accomplish something spiritual, but in the flesh. We've all done it. Hey, Satan's always wanting to drag us into the flesh where he will always have the victory. And it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to lead us into the spirit where we'll always have the victory. We decide which nature we'll live by, yielding to the Holy Spirit or walking in the flesh and gratifying our sinful nature. Here's the point. Ishmael has to go. Because the spirit and the law or the spirit and the flesh can't coexist. Ishmael has to go. I mean, he does. Ishmael must be put out. Rather, Ishmael must be put in Christ. My flesh, my old nature, my old way of living, my, 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 the things of the old when I lived in darkness and not in the light. You know what? I, I, can't, I can't entertain that. I have to put that out. I have to put that in Christ. I, just putting it out isn't going to be enough. It's got to be put in Christ. There has to be a separation there. And I have to do that every day. We call that walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. And, and really moment by moment. Right now, I'm either going to take a deep breath and humble myself, or I'm going to jump in the flesh. I've got to make that decision, right? Daily. But, but you know what? Here, here's the whole point of that. Ishmael must be put out. He's got to be put out. Verse 12, well, listen, verse 11, the matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. So he needs a little reinforcement here. That's a strong word. Sarah's like, get rid of them both. <laughs> Woman, what's wrong with you? What do you want me to do? Just kick her to the curb, throw her out in the woods? We do live in the desert. Where is she going to go? Who, I mean, I don't know if Abraham's thinking all these things, right? All right? I just like, man, Sarah's like, out she goes. And take that boy with, with her. With him, her, whatever, let him go, right? And, the, and he's distressed. Hey, you know what? This has to be dealt with, though. It's an unresolved issue, right? Got to be dealt with. Got to be dealt with. And Abraham probably thought, I knew this was going to happen. I knew it. Well, yeah. She never did what you did, right? Right? But here's what happens. Verse 12, but God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. And all the women said, amen. You might want to write that one down. I'm just, you know, I'm going to take you back to, to Genesis 21, husband. And if you look at uh, 
whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her, for through, through Isaac your descendants shall be named. And the son of the maid, I will make a nation also because he is your descendant. Okay, listen, guys, women sometimes can be very discerning, even maybe more so than, than men. Not always, but, but it, women tend to be very discerning. And, you know, my, my, my oldest boy is learning that because he likes to argue things. I don't know, he just likes to. He likes to disagree. I mean, he'll disagree with me. Like, like I'll, I'll know something to be true. He'll go, no, it's not. I go, no, it is. And I'm like, what am I arguing with you? You don't even know you weren't even there. And I'm like all fired up, right? But that's just him. And, and, and so, so, like, my wife will say, it's to the right. Richie will go, oh, okay, it's him. He'll go, no, it's to the left. And, and, and Don will say, no, it's to the right. Richie will say, no, it's not, Mom, it's to the left. And then he'll give this long explanation why. And I'm sitting there thinking, boy, she ain't been wrong yet. I'm telling you, I'm going right. Because <laughs> she's discerning those things, right? He's going to learn. <laughs> He's going to learn. Not just women's intuition, but all the more when a woman is tuned into the Lord. Ishmael would not be the promised one, but he would be blessed of God in becoming the father of a nation as well. Why? Why would God, why would God bless Ishmael? Because he's Abraham's son. He's Abraham's son. And God said, I will bless your son. And you want to mess around and have a son of the flesh? I'm going to bless him too. But because of you, Abraham. Just like you get blessed. See, God, why does God bless you? Because of his son, Jesus. All that we have is because of Jesus. Listen to verse 14 through 21. So Abraham rose early. Everybody say early in the morning. I'll tell you, I love Abraham. He ain't messing around now. He's heard from the Lord. See, the Lord confirmed what Sarah said. He's like, all right, pony up. <laughs> it's on. Out you go. What? Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water, and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder, and gave her the boy and sent them away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. Of Beersheba. Now, now, here we go, right? Verse 15, and the water and the skin was used up. Everybody say used up. Come on now. You, you start walking from here to Baker, California, and you run out of water before you get to state line. What you going to do? You're going to die in the wilderness. That's crazy. It was used up, and she left the boy under one of the bushes. And then she went and sat down opposite him about a bow shot away, and at four she said, uh, do, not let, uh, do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. This is so cruel. Are you kidding me? Gentlemen, ladies, think about this. She's deserted in the, in the wilderness. Abraham is a sheik, and all he gives her is a little water. And what else? Some bread. That's it? Dude, you got billions of dollars, and all you give me is water and bread, and you send me and my son in the wilderness alone? Listen, sometimes the, thing we, the things we do for God don't really make sense. Amen? Think of what others would say. Abraham, how could you do that? What are you thinking? How is this woman supposed to survive? 
Okay, granted, back then, women were, you know, survivors. You know, they did everything by hand, and they made things, and they put the tents up, and they, you know, they prepared goats. And, you know, I mean, that, you know, women were, they were tough, right? They had to do all that stuff. But, I mean, it's like, come on. How could you do that? What kind of God would tell you to put this woman out and her child? What kind of God is that? And all you gave her was bread and water? Have you lost your mind? She's going to die in the wilderness. It's going to be on your conscience. But don't forget, God said to Abraham, do whatever Sarah tells you. Through Isaac, your descendants will be blessed. And the son of the maid, I will make a nation because he is your descendant. Don't, don't forget God said that. Sometimes all you have is what God said to you. It's all you got. Doesn't make sense. People might even doubt it. All you have is God's word sometimes. That's all I got. You know what? God promised to make a way. I'm believing that. That's all I got. I got nothing else. I believe that Abraham knew that without God's help, no amount would have been enough for her. He could have gave her a full-on caravan. But I believe he knew that God's got to do this. God's got to do this. But you know what? With God's help, even a little can go a long way, right? Well, let's track it. Verse 17, God heard the lad crying. And the angel of the Lord called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, Oh, this is the second visitation she's had of the angel. Last time she was in the wilderness too. Maybe she's a little confident because she knew the last time she got deserted that God showed up. Maybe she's thinking, Oh, you'll kick me out. Go ahead. I don't know. It doesn't tell us that, but, but this is her second experience. First time she ran away. I believe that's true. What is the matter with you, Hagar? Is that great? Hey, uh, what's wrong? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. And then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. God was with the lad. Everybody say, God was with the lad. Wait, wait a minute now. We thought God was with Isaac. Listen, God was with Ishmael too. And he grew and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. So they survived. And he lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Don't forget that's where she's from. Why wouldn't she do that? We're going to see in the future that Abraham will refuse his son, a wife from Egypt. Don't go down to Egypt looking for a wife. <laughs> Abraham learned that lesson. Okay, We're going to see that, but that's what she does. Now, it came about um, <clears throat> at that time that Abimelech of Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. Abimelech you might remember him a few chapters ago was a king 
uh, chapter 20. This is a different person. This is just, uh, Abimelech is simply a, a ti- like Pharaoh. It's a title. Like we would say king so-and-so or queen so-and-so. It's a title. But this is not the same guy in, in chapter 20. It's a different guy. It's a title for ruler of the Philistines. But he says this, God is with you in all you do. Verse 22. And, and he wants Abraham to swear that he'll deal with integrity with him and his family. And, and then Abraham enters into a covenant with this man. Uh, you know what's interesting is that I think that, that this, I mean, if Abraham had any doubts, this was a confirmation uh, that he did the right thing. Because here comes someone who's not a follower of God, and he recognizes what? God is with you in all that you do. So Abraham's life is a testimony to the key people of the land and the way that he's living his life out. And there's an issue with a well. You know, Abraham lived, if you want to track his progress through the wilderness, just look for wells because you had to have water. But there's an issue with his well because Abimelech's men have taken the well. And so, you know, they have to deal with that. So there's now, now there's, there's, there's conflict. Now, he's already gotten rid of uh, uh, Hagar and, and her son, and, and, and we don't know that he knows what happened other than the promise of the Lord. And now there's a, now there's a, there's a conflict that's brewing because uh, some of Abimelech's men uh, uh, have taken his well. But you know what? He deals with it. He goes to Abimelech, and, and they enter into a, into a covenant together. Um, and then it says, just 29 through 34 for the context, Abimelech said to Abraham, what do these seven ewe lambs mean which you have set by themselves? And he said, you shall take these seven ewe lambs from my hand in order that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. Therefore he called that place Beersheba because there the two uh, of them took an oath. Verse 32. So they made a covenant at Beersheba and Abimelech of Phicol, the commander of his army, arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. And Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba. And there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Now, he's already met God as El Elyon, uh, the Most High God. He's already met God as El Shaddai, the God who provides. But here, there's a new name for God. It's El Olam. O-L-A-M. It means the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines for many days. Okay. He called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Even through his time of conflict with his, within his own family and with his neighbors, Abraham kept a real live walk with God. Because what? Conflict can drive us away from God, but we should allow it to do the opposite and push us closer to Him and into fellowship with others. That's what happens so often. Conflict drives us away from fellowship and and others, but it should drive us to Him. Now, I'll just summarize by saying this. It all started with putting out the Son of the Flesh. We get to the end of chapter 21. What if Abraham would not have done that? What if Abraham would have said, no way am I going to 
that's my son, and, and okay, she's sort of a wife, but, you know, <laughs> no way. You know what, Lord, I am not the, no, you can't just do that. No, no, Lord, what if he just wouldn't have done that? then I don't believe he would have received the blessing of the Lord. I think he would have had so much turmoil in his life that no Philistine king would have said, God is with you in all that you do. He wouldn't have said that. It would have been constant conflict. He, Abraham had to trust in God for the promise of Isaac, and he had to trust in God for the promise of Ishmael, that he would one day be a great nation. And you know what? Today, the descendants of Ishmael are great nations. They are the Arabic people. Unfortunately, the predominantly Muslim, and there had been conflict between the children of Ishmael and the children of Isaac from this day on. This is where the conflict started, and it, it, to this day, just read the newspapers. That's kind of sad. But God has a plan for the sons of Ishmael. God has a plan for them too. It's actually in Isaiah. I'll find it next week. There's a scripture verse that speaks about God's blessing pouring, pouring out on, on the sons of Ishmael. But it all started with him putting out the son of the flesh. Okay? Once we put out our natural life, once we put out the flesh, once we put out that religious spirit, uh, in the, once we put it out in the desert daily and determined to keep it under control, by the power of the Holy Spirit and exercising our will, he will provide wells of refreshing for us as well. And others will notice that God is with us. There you have it. <clears throat> he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> chapter 22 is one of the most important chapters in the whole Old Testament. And Lord willing, we'll dive into that next week. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for being here with us. Lord, we, we see the illustration. Uh, help us to, to live it out. Lord, give strength to your people. Uh, there are some tough decisions that we have. To, there's things we have to put out of our life. There might be people that we have to put out of our life. Uh, there, there's, there's ideas of, about who we, who we think we are that we have to put out of our life. There's, there's, there's situations that we need to get ourselves out of. Lord, we have, we have some things we need to get rid of. We need to, to put out the bondwoman and her son in order to receive the fullness of your blessing. Lord, help us to do that. Uh, we, we, we are 100% dependent on you. We can do nothing without you, nothing of any spiritual value, nothing. And so, Lord, um, you are the, the branch and we are the vine. And, and we need your life-sustaining uh, power. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. Let it, let it uh, speak to our hearts. In the name of Jesus. Let me just say, guys, if anybody needs prayer at all, that we have some prayer people around here. And, um, uh, you know, what if you if you need prayer, you know, we, we'd like to take a few moments to just kind of um, pray if you have any needs on your heart. All right. So God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus.